Hi, I'm Kechianya. Merry Christmas, and you're listening to it from Lyric Korean. From the Rooker End, our December podcast, as always, we are three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in Rooker End. Uh, these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. My name is John, uh, and with me is Mike. Hello. And uh, Jason. Hello. And we are, oh, where are we, Mike? Did you notice my cheery hello, by the way? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm it's, cheery, I'm happy. We're, um, but despite, uh, we're, I'm happy despite the cold, we're sat watching the, uh, the future of Watford. We're watching the, I think it's the under-18s, isn't yeah, it? In the FA Youth Cup, uh, home to Leeds, just kicked off nil-nil. Hoping to see some of the stars of the future. Uh, we're not we're not here on our own. Um, your brother Andy's over there. Uh, yep. Nikki, uh, Jason's uh, girlfriend's here, and also my dad's here. Now, um, dad's got a special. Uh, Jason, I'm giving dad a special uh, role, and hopefully he'll be able to take on cheese and ham, dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, the role is now, dad. Um, when was the last time we came to what for matches uh, in the mid '80s? Didn't we? Yes, we did together. Uh, who was your standout player you were from back then? Well, there was John Barnes and. Uh, Sent half, can't remember his name. John McLennan. John McLennan, I thought he was very cool. Okay. And well, could spray the ball very well. It's, it's funny that your, your dad picked out John McLennan as, uh, as his favourite because my mum picked out John McLennan as her favourite, but oh, for really? altogether different reasons, I think. <laughs> so, is Dad. That for, is that for the same reason that Nicky here likes Matej Vidra? Possibly. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I never saw John McLennan take his top off, so I don't know. Uh, so, Dad, your job this evening is to watch this Watford team. You've, you know, you, we haven't been to Watford game for a couple of years now. Um, you know, any of these players, I want you to pick out who you think is the next big star in the Watford team over the next 90 minutes. That's your role. We'll get back to it at the end of the, okay. the game. Okay? That's fine. So, this podcast is going to be recorded in two bits. Uh, tonight... Uh, where hopefully at the end of the game we're going to chat to uh, Nick Cox, who is the outgoing head of academy here at Watford. Um, he's been on the podcast before, always gives us good insight into how the actual club sort of ticks. Uh, and we're speaking to him in his exit interview. When you leave a job, everyone needs an exit interview. And we'll be doing that with him. And part two of our podcast, we were called at the Hull City home game. But one thing I want to bring up early on to get out of the way, Jason. Mike um, said he was in a cheerful mood. And that's a rarity, isn't it? Any of those is a rarity. Of the three, we know that Mike is the most pessimistic. Um, and I want to get this out of the way early, With Mike. good reason, usually. <laughs> yeah, OK, but I want to get this out of the way early. Uh, the club's parent company, Watford Leisure, uh, brought out their financial statements yesterday. And it turns out that Mr Lawrence Bassini, otherwise known as your best pal... Big Bad Bass. Big Bad Bass. <laughs> apparently, it stated in it that... And we'll stop that chat right there because it became out of date quite quickly. It was a chat about Lawrence Bassini and uh, some revelations that had come out due to the club's financial report. You can guess about the tone of it. It was a little bit negative uh, towards Mr Bassini as we've not really been a fan of his on the podcast. Um, But the subsequent story that came out a few days later in the Watch Observer we will talk about later on this podcast. But to give you an idea of how we felt at the end of this conversation that we've now removed, this is what Mike said at the end. Do you know who is here right now? Tony Coton's here right Tony now. Coton's right And here. I think, if Lawrence Bassini's here, I'd like to set Tony Coton on him. <laughs> that'll, that'll teach you. But there'll be more chat about how Lawrence Bassini got Watford into a little bit more trouble later in the podcast. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans. From the rookery end. 
30, uh, 34 minutes into the uh, game here at Vicarage Road, the Youth FA Cup. Um, Berla Mensah's currently on the floor, getting a bit of a bit of treatment. Uh, it's 2-0, unfortunately, to Leeds at this current point. There's, uh, there's a lot of young players, and maybe one of these boys will make it into our first team, but um, I'm, I'm, uh, Jason, you might have to correct me in this one, and or someone might tweet us and tell us that I'm wrong. But Watford have used 35 different players in the first team this season. We knew they were going to get a lot of players because we all these players on loan. But we are sort of seeing regular faces now, Mark. We are starting to see the same bunch of players week in, week out, aren't we? Yeah. We aren't using a, um, all 42 at the same time. No, we start, no I, was ta- I was actually talking to my brother on the walk to the, to the ground. And um, I remember at the start of the season, you're thinking, oh, all these new faces, how are we going to get to identify with them? How are we going to get used to them? How the name we... on the back of the shirt. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you. <laughs> But you know, how are we going to work out who we want and who we should get behind and who we like and who we don't like? And, and before you know it, we're, we're sort of, we, we've all got our favourites, haven't we? And we're all, they're all almost Watford household names, a lot of them, aren't they? And it's, it's just interesting how quickly that happens. Mm. Um, and it's, it's imperceptible how long it chance for Leeds here. Oh, I slashed it wide. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never make it, son. <laughs> Actually, they play for Leeds, he might. <laughs> but you know, it's imperceptible that change of how it how it's they've gone from a, a sort of a ragtag assortment of of loanees and people who've never heard of to being a Watford team that people are now genuinely getting quite excited about. So here's my question to you two: Who is the first man you pick on your team sheet every week to give you a little bit of guidance? Men who have played more than ten goals. <laughs> what noise is that, Jason? Manuel Almunia. No, um, is that too wait, obvious? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. Men who have played more than 10 games. Emmanuel Munia. Emmanuel Emmanuel. The goalkeeper. Uh, Doily, Hall, Hogg, Poodle, Abdi, Chalamba, Cassetti. Chalamba. Chalamba. Cassetti. You were worse than Craig, Craig Ramish. Chalamba. Chalaba, Nathaniel Chalaba. You've met him, you've spoken to him. You've checked his bloody ID, John. You of all people should know how to pronounce his name. Cassetti, Yates. Vidra and for, for a Steri. Now, is, that is a starting 11, I'd add out. But who, apart from the goalkeeper, is the first man you would pick? If Jason tried to cheat, Mike, you can go first. Yeah, bad luck, Chase. That's all right. Underhand I've tactics. I've got, I've, got, I've got two. <laughs> You've got so two you now, so you're on. continuing to cheat. Wonderful. I, I'm hoping you'll pick Learn one. Your Learn your lesson. I'm going to go for someone who, ironically, isn't the first choice on the, on the team sheet. I'm going to go for Vidra. The guy is is clinical. He's I think he's a different class when it comes to to striking. His 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 record is is amazing. He, he, I don't know what, exactly what it is, but it's um, it's lots of goals in not many games, and um, he just looks a different different class when it comes to to striking. I, I'm slightly concerned that he might that we're not using him enough. I mm. think he, a player like that who has scored who scored goals and good goals as well should really be be leading the line now I know we've got a big squad and I know we've got to keep a lot of people happy but quite frankly you've got to keep some people happier than others as far as I'm concerned he's an international now um, you know he will be coming to um, the attention of lots of, of football clubs not not least of all perhaps Udinese or Granada um, I just think he should be we should be utilising Matt Vidra a, lo- a lot more he should be on that pitch and Again, I was talking to my brother on the way here. We we we're talking on the uh, the Wednesday after the um, Sheffield Wednesday game. Mm. We've scored four goals without him in the side again. So, on one hand, you can you can't really complain. Not dependent on him, are we? But I think someone like that should be in, in our team, and it's great that we are in a position where we're not using him and still getting good results. However, 
if I was the boss and everyone thank you lucky stars I'm not <laughs> if I was he, he would be the first name on my on my team sheet now Jason before you give your, your one and yep. I will let you go next thank um, you. one name I, that was on the list I gave you earlier who uh, I know I'm not going to pick and I suspect you're not going to pick either would be Mark Yates yeah, yet is yet is yet is he has actually come on quite a lot yeah, this year. Sure. Um, I still can't forgive the ability of, the whole way through last season of running out of defence, not getting past them, and then having a little child fit of going, oh no, he, just, he doesn't sort of work well. But this year he has come on really well. Well, he's playing, he's, he's playing more through the middle, isn't he? Mm. I think he's not being deployed as an out and out winger where you have to admit, you know, and I think I assume he'd be the first to say that his career as a winger at Watford has not been massively productive. Um, and that's why he is, um, you know, he hasn't endeared himself to, to, to large portions of the Watford crowd. However, he's now been playing sort of more in the more in the centre. He's, he's chipped in with a couple of goals and looks a lot happier and is and is con- contributing. And uh, you know, John, you can't forgive him for for poor performances. I think that, that you know, fair enough. But I think it's it should fill Watford fans with with pride that a player like who has been on the fringes and who has been disappointing is now contributing mm. on, on a regular basis. I think it's a fantastic sign about of the squad as a whole. Um, it's great that, that Zola and the management team are getting something out of him. Um, much better to have someone turn it round than, than not. So I think, I think it's fabulous. Are we, are we likening this to um, the transformation of, of Marcus Gale? Well, so in that case, you'd have to go to sort of like a centre-back, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, well, not not literally, to, not literally, but that a, sort of one, that first season of, yeah, kind of, of really think, struggling to second season of, of playing really well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's always difficult for, for especially for wide men, because they're the people that, you know, we had Nordin Mooter on last mm. week, uh, last podcast, and I think he, he suffered a little bit from looking, you know, they're exotic, they're quick, they're supposed to have twinkle toes and... Uh, put in vicious crosses and beat men all the time. So there's a lot of lot of pressure on wide men, and um, it's, so I understand that. But he hasn't delivered. Then whether he's going to be as successful a transformation as as Marcus Gale, I'm not. I'm not sure. But he's, he's still got a lot to prove, I think personally. But but he's on the right track, and I think it, I think it's super. So Mark, you put Vidra first on the sheet. We know Mark Yates will be considered, but we're not going to put him first on the sheet. Jason, who is your man? First on oh, see, now you didn't pick one of the, the two, so I've now got to make a decision, you see. Okay. Oh, neither one. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, ironically, <laughs> I hadn't picked striker either. Um, I'm very defensive, Jason. Going... You want to pick a striker. I know. <laughs> I'm going to say. Alman Abdi. Alman Abdi, okay. Alman Abdi. I, I just think he's looked at his. Alman Abdi. Alman Abdi. Abdi. He has looked a very classy midfielder yes. um, in the championship this year. Uh, certainly, nothing I think like we've seen in a, in a Watford side in, in recent seasons, and I include the sort of Premiership seasons in that. Um, but it comes with a, a work rate as well that's that, that's, that's really good. Uh, we saw him, Mike, at, at Charlton. Uh, we talked about this before about him. You'll come back and running through treacle. The amount of work and, yeah. and effort he went through that yeah, night goes to show he's, he's not a, a flash in the pan. It's he works hard, but he has got a lot of ability about him as well. I think he might um, like bacon in the pan, though. <laughs> 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 Bacon and sausage in the pan. He, he, he might. Oh, yeah, do do he, he might do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. What? Well, he does suggest. Oh, then the flash diet, in the pan. His diet might not be. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
No, um, it's a new shirt, Mike. No, I think I, know, I, I can see we at the start of the season he, he did look as if he was lacking his stamina a bit, but I think that's come on. And yeah, I think if I had, if I had to pick the, the team, he would be yeah. outfield players. He would be <laughs> my first he, man on the team sheet. I think you're right, Jason. I think he's been. Uh, talk about Vidra being a cut above, but I think uh, Abdi ha- has been as well. And he just gives Watford an extra dimension. He's got time on the ball. He can he can start things. He, he, his work rate is it seems to have increased as the season gone on. Um, and it was a big worry, wasn't it, when he he went off at Leeds with that dislocated mm. shoulder. He's he's still out as it stands. And we were, you know, a lot of Watford fans were saying, are we going to win with? Without him, because it could, because he's been so important to the so important to the side. But you know, again, we've proved that you know we've gone on and, and got some great results without mm. him. Which the, the the size of Watford squad has been a concern for many. But I think we're now starting to see that it's also a huge benefit. And you know, when the when the Potho family came in and they said what we want is when Zola is missing a player, we want him to have someone that is just as good to come in. And at the time, you think, well, it's a good, great idea, but it's sort of like a bit of a championship manager type type thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a pipe dream. Don't, but I, actually, can we edit that? Football manager. Football, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's not upset our sponsors, because you do realise they are. Sponsor us. These days, they are separate. Available now in the club shop. Yeah. But are they... Uh, Discounted uh, rate. Yeah, 1999 with, complete with a... Um, a Watford logo. Yeah, a uh, bespoke thing. So, uh, Christmas, Christmas present there. So, yeah, so it did sound, you know, at the start of the season, what a few Watford fans and certainly onlookers from outside the club might have thought, oh, yeah, you know, a backup for every position, you know, yeah. you, you, who do you think you are, Man United? But as it's turned out, we, we've done all right in that respect. Mm. So, my, uh, my man, who well, I'm going to first pick. With my um, don't mess with my man. Is he going to pick my other one? It's Pudil. Who was the other one, Jason? Uh, my other one was Fitz Hall. Okay, I did think Fitz. But uh, just because, A, there's that thing that you mentioned in the last podcast, Mike, it's amazing having someone who is in position and can run down that left-hand side. And I do love someone who can run from back to front and can cross the ball in amazingly well. Ever since John, ever since, really started, ever since you've started managing your uh, school football team, yeah. your cliche rate has <laughs> increased exponentially. Look, with the number what, of games you, you, can you can say whatever you like. First game, eleven two, we won. Right. That's good management. That's well. Um, yeah, Poodle, Just just because it, it adds that sort of it, he when he, the position he's in now, it is that exciting running, attacking Watford, and he sort of sums it up for me. Plus. He gets stuck in. He gets some yellow cards. He has picked up a bit of a disciplinary thing. I, I, I agree with you in terms of that, that attacking um, option that he is. I, and I think there have been games where we've struggled to break teams down. And those games we have looked most threatening and probably only threatening when he's made those runs up the left uh, into the spaces, balls over the top to him. And we've looked really good doing that. Um, you can pick it as an example... Birmingham early on, his run down the left, that one that's eventually the penalty from his original shot. We do look really good when he's yeah when he's attacking well, down the left hand side. I, I think other, from, other people we have to mention Tommy Hoban, who is playing fantastic, uh, really really well in his first full season with the first team. Hitzhall, uh, you also mentioned, and also goalkeeping wise, so much more confidence with uh, yeah. with in that goal rather yeah. than, than Scott. Going, yeah, I think Galmunia has been a, a great signing. I think it's just like you say, it's that added added confidence, and uh, I think it's been proved with Scott Lopes's performances in uh, Ipswich that we, we did when, right when he was part, playing part in company yes. there. Yeah, he's absolutely rightly so. But going back to to Pudu, I think yeah, absolutely, he's a great player, and he 
he sort of he sort of embodies this sort of new Watford, which is football with a smile on its face, sort of thing. And I think I think but, that that's great. But Jace, I'd be particularly interested in your view on this. Whether you think he's got issues defensively, because he is picking up an awful lot of yellow. He got banned for for getting five yellow cards. He served his one-match ban, and I think he's played three times since then and been booked in every single game. Half-time. Um, Two-nil and, lead. Thank you, John. Um, now, has he got an issue, sort of, defensively, or has he been, I, had a bit of bad luck, or, I, or, I, or what? I think there's a rashness about his play. I think that's what it is. Um, the red card at, at Cardiff was him sort of lashing out, wasn't it? Uh, we saw the, the penalty he gave away... Sheffield Wednesday game, sort of making a challenge in the in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Just a, just a, he just needs to maybe calm down, Tighten learn from the from Lloyd Doyley, and just sort of have a think about it before making that challenge or sort of yeah. That's a mental right line there. Learn from Lloyd. Learn from yeah, Lloyd. Yeah. The thing that he, you say he embodies the new Watford. Also, he embodies the uh, the old Watford, the family Watford, as he always going and gets his little baby yeah. uh, at the end of every home game and takes him there. So, must picks Vidra, Pudil, and Abdi. Bet they don't play the next home game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the game finishes Leeds 4, Watford 0, uh, FA Cup U, so Watford uh, team go out. Um, uh, Dad uh, is still with us, uh, Jason T as well. Uh, now, Dad, we gave you the task of watching this Watford team. Uh, they are the future of Watford, um, and you had to pick one player who you thought was going to be the, the next big Watford thing. Who um, did you come up with? Unfortunately, the side, the heads went down as, a, as a group because of the, the way Leeds played. There were a few players I looked at. The centre-half was under quite a bit of pressure because of Leeds, and I thought he did quite well. Number 20. Joel Johnson. Considering he could be a very good centre-half in the future. There were a couple of players in midfield. Ten and eight. Ollie Cox and Luke O'Neill. That worked their butt off. But the centre-forward, number nine, I thought was very quick, mm. and they didn't use that through ball, unfortunately. Well, they think they tried to use that, they tried to use that through ball quite a lot. Yeah, they tried, but, but too hard. Mm. Yeah, they weren't quite doing they what they needed. They weren't subtle enough with it, you know, to pass it with the right weight, and that's something that comes with practice. All right, so... Um, but one player, I think, might be the centre-half, maybe one of the two guys in the middle, if not both of them, maybe not here, possibly elsewhere. Okay. Jason, what do you think about the performance? Yeah, I certainly agree with uh, a lot of what your dad said there. Certainly the, the number 10 in midfield, uh, Luke O'Neill, who, who looked good. He covered a lot of ground, I thought. Mm. Made some good challenges, looked good on the ball. And yeah, you're right, those through balls they were trying to play, they were too heavy. You're right, they weren't subtle enough at all. Um, and it, it, yeah, we didn't start well. We were chasing the game for a lot of it. Leeds soaked up the little pressure we had. We didn't have a shot, I think, until the second half. Um, not a great performance. We look, we look comfortable on the ball, mm. but just lacking that, yeah, that subtlety and that creativity to, to really create any any decent chances. And, and Leeds just sort of soaked it up and just exerted their pressure, and they created chances, easy chances uh, in a lot of the cases, and, and scored the goals. 
So we, uh, a lot of those boys um, would have gone through our academy at uh, Harefield and a man who we're going to interview uh, is uh, Nick Cox, who's on his way out to Watford. Um, this will be his exit interview. I don't think, Mike, we can play down sort of a role that Nick's played uh, our youth set up here. No, I think he's been absolutely instrumental and I think he's quite rightly getting, uh, getting a lot of credit and applauded now and now he's leaving. Important part of what has been an important part of um, our football club for the last uh, last couple of years. I think it's been brought into sharp, brought into sharp focus by the financial state of the club, and I think Watford have realised, probably in a situation that they'd rather not be in, how important that, that youth development and the, and the academy is. And um, yeah, I don't think it's uh, yeah, I think it's public knowledge how uh, how important Nick Cox has been. A lot of the players speak very very highly of him when. Uh, when they've done their interviews and stuff. So uh, it'd be great to have another chance to speak to him. Uh, it's sad to see him go, but... Um, this is her from the Rookery and Hattrick. Yeah. For third appearance. Let's go find him. This is Britta Sombolonga doing the conga on from the Rookery End. Nick, this is your official exit interview. When you leave a job, you always do an exit interview. Absolutely. Uh, first question is, how do you enjoy your time in the jungle? Sorry, that's Anton Dex's questions. So, quickly, how long have you been at the club? An association for 12 years, I think, in various capacities. So, nine and a half full-time, eight of those academy-wise, but community work and part-time work for 12 years, I think, in total. You're going to look back. What's your proudest moment? Wow. Um, there are many. Um, give me a bit of time here to indulge myself. I would suggest Youth Cup... At Anfield, watching the group of boys get a win at Anfield. The squad that we took to the Milk Cup four years ago that got to the final, which would have had the likes of Tommy Hoban in it. Um, I think Sean Murray playing against Spurs on the TV on the Friday night there. Not just because it was Sean Murray, but that for me, that that was the first time I'd seen a boy go from eight through to the first team, so that was a pretty special night as well. Um, there's been many, but it's there's probably... It's easy to concentrate on results and it's easy to concentrate on cups and performances. For me, uh, our academy is about developing people, so there's plenty of little stories that no one would ever know about that didn't happen on a football pitch. You know, kids that have disappeared off to university, kids that have, I don't know, overcome great setbacks and things like that. So there's, each of those is, is special as much as the things that actually happen on the pitch as well. I think I saw a quote, and it might have been one of your famous retweets actually, Nick, but I think <laughs> someone said, heroes are made when no one's looking. Yeah, I don't absolutely. Know. And so that sounds like that kind of rings true with a lot of your work. Yeah, I mean, I, I think football clubs, once you strip back the, I don't know, the glitz and the glamour and, you know, the, the headlines in the newspapers and Sky Sports, they're just about people, aren't they? And actually, the, the 11 that go out on a pitch on a Saturday afternoon are, are the minority. The, it's the supporters, it's the volunteers, it's people that work at football clubs. So for me, our academy has always been massively conscious of the individual stories. Um, not just the kids of the 50, I mean, we talk about the, the 51 all the time, don't we? But, you know, that's, that's a small percentage of the boys that have actually been through our academy. So it's the stories that people don't know about that are probably more important than the ones that people actually do see. I think it's uh, worth setting the scene. We're talking to Nick after the after the Watford Leeds game. There's no one left here at the ground apart from us uh, crazy cats. And there's a, there's a couple of boys um, behind us at the moment. They're putting seat covers on the... On the bench, and that, you know, and these on the on the nice new seats we've got here at Watford. And I guess this is the sort of thing that it takes to be a professional footballer. You do, you work hard, and, and there's loads of different elements that make up that that progression from if you're going to be Sean Murray, making it from eight years old to to, to performing against a club like Tottenham. This is the sort of thing you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's boys that have been out there tonight that are with, would have been with us since the age of five. So you can imagine the amount of hours that have gone into 
trying to be the best that they can be on the pitch, off the pitch. So tonight, really, in context, is just another blip because they'll have had plenty of those along the way and all those kids of the, the 51, they'll have had nights like that. So beneath the scoreline, there's probably... Um, a bit of context and you need to look for the process rather than the results so I mean that's just another learning experience for the lad not nice bitterly disappointing not what I'd imagined I, I, that visions have been carried shoulder high off the pitch <laughs> as it goes I'm going to end up getting escorted off the premises out the back door but how, that's how, right. yeah, well, buy us a few beers we'll be <laughs> how, how do you pick them up from a result like that Again, it's putting things into context. We've just said to the boys in the changing room there that it, it, that night becomes really valuable to them if they're brave enough to scrutinise their performance, watch the DVD, listen to the feedback that they're given. They'll have learnt things tonight that they'll remember for the rest of their careers. And some of those kids will pull on a shirt and play in the first team. And there'll be things that have happened tonight that have stood them in good stead for that career moving forward. So it's an easy one, you know, if, you, if you're brave enough to put your head above the parapet and every now and again you've got to be on the end of one of those you don't get to the I mean there's not a footballer in the land that's gone on to be successful that hasn't had a night like that and it's about reminding the boys that it isn't always plain sailing and actually there's probably more experiences like that than there are positive ones so, so Nick you're, you're about to leave Watford sadly for us how would you sum up how you're leaving Watford in terms of the state of, of, of the youth situation at Watford and how is youth football as a whole you know obviously we've talked about EPPPP um, it yeah. seems to be a slow burner in terms of how it's taking grip and I think a lot of people have said once the dust settles things actually might not change that that much and it looks like maybe that that might be the case I don't know so Watford and, and the greater and the wider context of youth football at the moment I would suggest um if I start with football as a whole, it's a real turbulent time. There's never been a time with so many initiatives, rule changes, um, and it will take some time for things to settle. And ultimately, we won't know the effect of EPPP for years to come because it takes a boy 12 years on that journey from arriving at an academy to playing in a first team. You know, So you've got to give it that amount of time to, to work out whether it's been a success or not. So it's turbulent. I think things will settle over time. I think it takes uh, everyone in the, in the industry a little bit of time to work out what it all means. So time will tell on that one. With regards to us here at Watford, um, what do I leave behind? Well, I hope I leave some kind of legacy with regards to the Harefield Academy. Particularly proud of that. Probably should have been in my proudest moment <laughs> at the beginning there. Um, it's become everyday occurrence for us and you forget that that doesn't happen anywhere else. So very proud of that and that's going strong. And I think it's something that hopefully will, will serve the club for a long time to come. Um, there's a great group of staff. Um, obviously my um, successor is a promotion from within, which is really the Watford way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's great. Uh, I'm sure that the staff that I leave behind are as caring and as talented and as able as there are anywhere in the country. So I know for a, for a fact that our boys are going to be in safe hands for a long time to come. And we leave a, a large number of boys that are hugely talented and uh, I look forward to from afar seeing how some of them develop and uh, um, and where their journeys end on the pitch as well as off it. Um, the biggest surprise that you think you've had? Oh wow, um, what with regards to individual players or? Yeah. I think kids surprise you all the time. Kids, kids are more resilient than you give them credit for. Kids never ever let you down. I don't think I've ever seen a, a kid play in a first team and let you down. They, kids are capable of achieving 
more than you think they are. And I think that's probably a valuable lesson for any coach, any parent, anybody working with people that, you know, I think kids have, have got a lot more within than we give them credit for. I think kids get given a bad name in uh, in society in general at the moment. You know, we, we only ever see the negative press, but I think kids have... <laughs> No different from how they've always been, but you know, there's, the, the, I think we can expect a lot more from them sometimes that we give them credit for. What is, uh, what's the, the biggest challenge you've overcome? Oh, wow, I think it's the sort of role where every single day is a challenge. Dealing with people, I think, is the hardest industry. You're not dealing in numbers or figures or budgets or computer, although of late that's probably all I have been dealing with. Um, <laughs> So dealing with people and the dynamics of people is a challenge. We've got 120 kids with each of those, a set of parents, a wider family, um, an agent, um, a teacher. So, you know, dealing with people is an everyday challenge, which I, I thrive on. I love it, you know, but you, you, you're faced every day with kids that have got problems, issues, and very rarely are they football problems. It's mm. the problems that kids have got in general that are the, the real tough things to deal with. Worst parent? I wouldn't possibly like to discuss <laughs> that, but the, the list is longer than my proud moments. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, obviously the Ponce family have come in and, and there's a lot of concern about, about their vision and how they were going to, which direction they were going to take Watford in. It's up to you how much you say, but in terms of your your gut feeling is to, to the new owners, their commitment to to what you've worked so hard to achieve and to set up. Do you, th- you feel that that's something that Watford fans are, can be comfortable with? Or absolutely, I remember they can't fire you now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have spent a lot of time at Harefield, so we've had visits from uh, the owners on two occasions, the, uh, the chief exec, um, technical director. The, our partners at Udinese, they've spent a lot of time at Harefield and admittedly I think whenever anybody starts in a new organisation it takes a bit of time to understand and, and work out what everything means but they've, they've spent a lot of time there and they understand it and they value it and, and that's why it is where it is and it's going to continue to, to be a focal point of the way that our academy operates so I, I wouldn't suggest that the, uh, there's any fears there and I think probably the, the greatest relief for all fans is we're not going to be fearing administration yeah. every second season which is how it has felt in my time here What do you think about the, those, those three boys Smith, Hoban, Murray getting five year contracts Yeah, is that, how, what's, how, is that a big thing? It's something different from, from what we've been used to here it's fantastic. I think it shows a commitment to young players and making sure that young players are going to be the future. Um, but it's important that the kids still understand that you know what's written on a piece of paper is irrelevant. It's what happens when you cross the white line. So you can have a professional contract, but you're not a pro until you've delivered 50 games in the first team in our eyes. And we're forever telling the boys that. And although those boys are now out of the academy's uh, due restriction... We still, Tommy's somewhere here, I think he's been commentating tonight, but we still spend a lot of time with them, reminding them, encouraging them, developing them, and they're surrounded by staff that understand what it takes to develop young players. The manager is is more than experienced in working with young players, so um, it, it's great. It's great for the kids that, that there's someone showing a commitment to them uh, and their time here at the club. Biggest lesson you've learnt? Oh. Don't, don't agree to do podcast interviews. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to that one. That's a, a good question that I don't have an answer for off the top of my head. I should have gone for proudest moment, perhaps, being my, uh, 
being my third appearance on, on the yeah, podcast. Patrick. That yeah. puts me in some elite company, right? Uh, Lloyd Doyley and Martin Taylor. There you go. So <laughs> maybe what wasn't quite as insightful as Martin Taylor, but to be on the, the, the same page as Lloyd Doyley and only two girls behind him. <laughs> and that, of course, how is it to conduct an interview without being uh, interrupted by Ross Wilson? Uh, I miss it. <laughs> I miss it, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be on the phone. Um, tonight um, and uh, wanted to know how the boys are done because uh, these boys are uh, he had huge involvement w with the lads and he'll be keen to know how they've done and I know that he keeps in touch with a lot of the boys as well So Christmas has come yeah. early here on the, from the rookie end because yeah. we've just spent uh, 20 minutes in the company of the real St Nick <laughs> well, thank you very much for everything you've done at the club you're not the manager you don't get the headlines but actually the role that you played sort of developing young players is going to have a massive impact on our club for years and years to come and hopefully fans understand that and can be grateful for the time you've spent here I hope so but let me just finish by saying it's for me it's felt like an honour so it's been 12 years um, I almost should have been I can say this now I think I should have been paying the club for the <laughs> rather than them paying me I couldn't have wanted any more in my time here with the journey that I took with regards from where I started to where I ended up. I've loved every minute of it and this club at 4.45 every Saturday will probably be the first score that I look for forevermore and uh, quite rightly so because it's a special club. And ra rather poetically, the lights, the lights have just have gone, gone out. out. <laughs> 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 Timing is everything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! So thanks to Nick for taking part in that interview and, uh, and again thank you for his time at Watford. We now know he's off to Sheffield United. He's, to up, north. The, he's up north within Yorkshire people. So we did him a favour in uh, keeping him out in the cold for that interview. We did him a favour <laughs> just getting him ready for the, uh, for the northern weather. Yeah. Uh, but he actually, he, he talked us a lot there about, there about what he was proud of um, and afterwards he gave us a tweet and we decided that this month's 100 object was going to be a team sheet. But a team sheet from one game in particular. A team sheet in the FA Cup third round against Hartlepool in 2011 where there were 11 graduates in the matchday squad, eight played and two scored goals. Apparently Nick has that team sheet framed and it is on his wall as inspiration and hopefully he'll put that back on his wall when he gets to Sheffield United. I don't know if that says more about our, our academy or Hartlepool, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, we, we, we hope that... We are still seeing uh, young Watford players come through in the squad, and it's still really good. And I certainly feel, I don't know about you, Mike, but the, the worries of us losing young Hornets and the, how proud we feel about them, as, as how proud my, uh, Nick feels about, about them, isn't going to happen. We're not going to lose them. I'd like to think not, and I think the indication of giving some of these young guys five year contracts is. But well, you could look at it, if you want to look at it cynically, it means we're tying them up and we're going to make sure we get money for them. But if you look at it with a, having just spoken to Nick and looking at it with a, a development hat on, you'd like to think that they're, you know, they're pledging commitment to, to, to Watford players. On all right, they can't now offer them what Category 1 would have offered them in as much as regular um, sort of under-21 games against the top teams. But you are in with a chance of a long-term professional contract and you will get a chance in the first team. They'll point to people like Tommy Hoban, they'll point to Sean Murray... Um, there's opportunities at Watford regardless of, of the category thing and where EPPP ends up Watford is still a forerunner in, in terms of developing and then utilising um, the younger players which is I think is, is good we have to wait and see because uh, you know the proof of the pudding is in the eating cliche number one <laughs> um, but the Pozzos are saying you know, and, and, and Narnie and Duxbury are saying it's important they do need to back that up by making sure that the, the system stays um, 
funded and stays sort of looked after as it as it were. So let's let's wait and see. But as it stands, big big long contracts. Tommy Hoban up there for player of the season. Oh yeah. Um, you know that's and that's what it's about at the end of the day. It's about getting players who actually feature in the first team. It's all well and good developing well-rounded kids and, and, and serving the community well but really from the football club point of view we want to be churning out footballers who perform at the highest level for our football club and, and we're doing that and we, also, we also know that the Pozzo philosophy though we haven't seen it in practice with us yet is to only sell the, the young lads or any of the players for big big money yeah. to big big clubs they don't want to sell to competitors or small time Premier League clubs so to speak they, and that's why these guys are on five year contracts so they can get big money for them and if they are good enough to play for Watford they will stay with Watford um, if they're too good they're only going to go to those big clubs Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend I've never quite understood why football fans get excited about having balls being drawn out of a bag but the FA Cup draw is always exciting for most clubs are you going to get a big club are you going to get an easy ride against a, a non-league team? It was, it was a bit too exciting for Fabrice Muamba, who I think it was the first ball he, he oh, ran he out. He read the wrong number. He? Yeah. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, of all the footballers, Fabrice Muamba's probably going to ke- cut a little bit of slack. But <laughs> come on, son. Third round cup draw is pretty... Oh, uh, pretty I, I, well, I, I, I breathed in sharply, I must say. I, I was like... <gasps> Right, yeah, I was like, oh my god, what's going to happen? What are yeah. they going to do? I was expecting an alarm to go off, sort of red lights and stuff flashing. But Watford were luckily drawn out against a big team, Manchester City away. First reaction when you saw that those names come out, Mike? Uh, brilliant. Actually, to be honest, you know, I'm not going to lie, I was um, really excited about it. I think it's, um, like you say, FA Cup third round draw is, is a really exciting time. Me and my brother and, and Leanne and everyone was gathered around the TV watching it. I was, uh, to be honest, I was hoping we weren't going to get Luton, and I, I was hoping Luton get a crap draw as well. That, that rivalry's still there. I didn't want them to have too much fun. But then when we got Man City away, I thought, oh, that's terrific. Two reasons: one, we get to go and see, you know, our team against against the, a Premier League team who, you know, the champions, and B, we've got nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. We'll take a big, noisy, colourful following, and we can just give it a good old go. If we win, obviously brilliant. If we lose, so what? Okay, now that's interesting. That Mike said, "So what?" I don't think it's so what, Jason. But we are having. We've had a great run as a Watford team. We have had a great run. We've had a great run, and now the eighth of December, uh, we're about to go and see Hull, what play Hull City. It's a top six clash. It is. It is. Sounds good. What would be a good day out at the Etihad for Watford, Jason? Um, I would like to see some recognition for Watford. Okay. On the day that we are able to perform well enough that people in the in the general football world look at the game or they can look at the game and, and see, oh, they're doing all right, aren't they, Watford? Like, they look at the league table. We know the bad press we've had so far. I want the press to look at us and, and go, uh, they're doing all right. Zoda's doing well. That team are, are, are playing well together. It's, yeah, things are looking good. So that might be a, a good performance and a defeat. We obviously don't want to get tonks, you know. Yeah. Mike says, "If we lose, so what? If we get absolutely hammered, that, oh, no, well, yeah. not going to be so good." But because um, the thing about the cup run last year against Tottenham, I think that one nil loss, but a competitive Watford team was oh, almost the thing that kept us going for the rest of the oh, season. I totally agree. And in fact, we're doing so well at this point in the season. A tonking might take the absolute wind out of the sails of, I, of the yeah, club I remember, worry. I remember when we played um, Man United in the League Cup many years ago 
at Vicarage Road. They played their, their reserves and they beat 3 0. And we'd be, I think, running right again on a good run then. Mooney missed a penalty. And, uh, right and, and that took the wind out of ourselves, that, and, and we seemed to lose a whole load of confidence that day. So I, I don't think it would have the same effect because, uh, I mean, that Man City squad is huge, yeah. strong, and he can play some fringe players. And I think he will as and, well. And he will, and he will be fighting for their play. He'll be wanting to show how good they are. And I think they deserve a place in their Premier League side. So it's going to be tough. I think that's why we'll struggle to get what you were after, Jason. After um, recognition, because if Watford do do anything, if they get a draw or get a win, then I think they'll say, "Well, it's Manchester City's second string." Then, yeah, you know, yeah. They're focusing on the league. Blah blah blah. And, that, and it always happens. You ask any team who who upsets the odds, and the and the, the emphasis is always on the and the opposition and how they didn't perform. But you know, let's not get carried away. I think at this stage we're ahead of the whole City game. And I think you know, it's not it's not irritating because I understand why everyone's excited. I'm excited about. It. I'm really looking forward to it. But the focus really, really has to be our, our league, our mm. league, our league thing. And now we've got Man City away. It is you know, it's a one-off. We may the likelihood is ninety-nine times out of hundred we're going to we're going to get beaten. So by all means, let's go. Let's make a day of it. Let's enjoy it. But let's and, and get excited about it. Why not? It's great. It's what football's about. And you've got to have you know to have different strands of your season is is, is fantastic. But let's let's focus on the league and let's focus on the bread and butter and, and not get too carried away by that. Let's you know what an amazing run. Seven seven games unbeaten. You've got a chance to go eight today. It's a really really good hull side. And but all the chat this week's been about Manchester City. We're struggling to get any sort of crowd. We've got a really low crowd against Barnsley. I understand why. You know Barnsley are, are not a great pool. It's before Christmas. It's ruddy freezing. But if you if Watford fans aren't coming now. Then it's, you know you need to you need to wonder why because we're playing great football we're smashing goals in left right and centre so Manchester City great but we've got a good exciting team here. Well, my my dad's uh, uh, started coming to games again recently. Um, he was on the podcast earlier. Glory Hunter. Yeah, he's a bit. Uh, but he was so impressed with the game against uh, Barnsley. Now that wasn't the the best performance that we've no, had. It wasn't. It was very funny. He was very impressed by it, and he's coming again today, Hull City, and he's. Ex- Overly excited about seeing what can happen next, and that's a good place to be for Watford fans. But um, you know what? I hope Mancini might go and play some of his fringe players. What about some of our fringe players? <laughs> We're not expecting a couple of those people that we I can't even remember the names are, but we've got a fringe Jeffrey, player. Could, Jeffrey, 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 yeah. Jeffrey might get a go. Why not put them in in our FA Cup? It's not no, let's, oh, let's play yeah. them. Well, I personally, for me, I'm actually gutted that we've got Man City away. I'll tell you, tell you why. I can't go. I can't go. Absolutely. It's my old stomping grounds where I went to university. I've been to Main Road a few times, never to the Etihad. Um, Part time. Secretly hoping that the, the, the game would get moved and be on the telly, so something maybe possibly go. Or just, too far up north I for you, too. I can't go because it's it's a company end of year party on the oh. same day. Uh, or should that be? In the corporate or should, I, should I say the Vincent Company end of year party? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm going to be uh, on a honeymoon, so. I'll be there. Don't you worry. I'll be there. Flying the flag. Okay. It's going to be fun, and it'll be an interesting start it to 2013. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. So it's nearly Christmas. I, for one, get very excited, especially now I've got two little children. Well, the only problem is they're waking up every morning thinking it's Christmas morning, which is a bit of a pain. But you just feel it, don't you? People get incrementally more excited as, December, as it ticks over into December. You open Red Bank calendar, the days start ticking towards towards Christmas days off work 
lots of presents, lots of beer, lots of food, and of course, lots of football. And the thing that, that's really cheered me so far that at the start of the festive period is that what, while we're all getting more excited about Christmas, we're also getting more excited about the football because Watford have just been getting better and better and better. And I can't remember feeling like this about, about Watford for, for quite a long time. I always enjoy going to, to Watford, believe it or not. I always look forward to the games, whether or not I think we're going to win. But now I feel, I feel confident about Watford. I don't, don't necessarily think we're going to beat Hull today. <laughs> but I I'm feel still confident for you, Mike. I'd still, I think that what I, we can expect from, from our Watford side at the moment is a decent performance. If I were to start Watford season in one word, I think is on track with a hyphen. Is that? I thought not. Is that not uh, on, on track? On track. <laughs> It's on track. What I was expecting from Watford team this year wasn't rubbish, wasn't to get promoted, it wasn't to do anything, but it was to get better in a completely different way. To not be a typical championship team that has to play, not dirty, but, you know, combative, play a lot of young players. I want to feel different as a Watford fan. More comfortable. Because I think that's what... Yeah. Before we've Is that had, your word, Mike? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I've wanted, you know, I've fretted the last two, three years about staying in the division. And that's been our target. We've, in the end, we've, we've, we've achieved it comfortably, but we've fretted for the majority of the season. And you mentioned bringing the young players in, and that was good, but it was out of necessity. And it wasn't uncomfortable, because I remember there was a turning point, like, I think it was against Barnsley, when, when one of the defenders came off. And we thought, oh, who can we? Who can come on? I mean, actually, usually you'd be worried, thinking, oh my god, who are we going to bring on now? You know, it'd be somewhere round peg in a square hole. But we, at the moment, we've got, and it rings true what the guy said at the start of the season. We want Zola to have a decent backup in every position. And you know, guess what? He, he kind of has. And it's just, I just feel comfortable. And Watford aren't going to win every game because they are. You know they're, they're they're lacking in some parts and they, they haven't they haven't gelled a hundred percent. But the case in point was Barnsley, which was a really really weird performance. I think a lot of people were, were quite excited by it, but I I found I found it quite odd. I don't think Watford played very well at all. Um, and Barnsley had a lot of the ball, a lot of the possession, certainly the start of either half. Um, but the joy about that game was that we just. Despite that, we just absolutely knocked them aside. Absolutely stomped all over them. Chances, we took them at key times and, and never let them back into the game despite them, despite not playing well and despite them having chances. It was, it was one of those games at the end where you just wanted to go on and on and on because all you could see yeah. in that last half an hour was us scoring more and more goals. If Extrin's goal goes in, oh, oh my word, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, goal of the season already. But um, I think a phrase we used at the, at the start of the season was work in progress. Now, we've not used it as much recently, no. but it still is, that's still the case. We've not used it probably because we are doing so well now. We are starting to see yeah, things click and, and things work and results come in. What's uh, your but word? it is still a work in progress, isn't it? Is that your, is that your yeah, word? Yeah, because at, at some point, we're going to lose a game. <laughs> and as Mike said, that could be today. Yeah. Why not? You don't, you don't know. Someone, we're going to lose a game, and we need to see how the team reacts to that. And it, uh, and that will be something new for them, having been on such a good run. Do, they, lo- do they lose a bit of confidence? What, what yeah, happens? So, so, and so we've got to see how that develops. We saw well. petulance from, from Forestieri against Barnsley. Oh, yeah. Mm. And, you know, it, it, he did manage to turn it around, and he was pivotal in, in, in a couple of the chances. 
but you know we did see him, and it could have easily if he did, you know, thrown a stop for the whole game. And against Hull today, for example, they're gonna, you know they're going to be very, very tough, um, experienced side. They'll they won't take him lying down. So um, you know, how does he react? Because he's pivotal and. If, if a defender makes if Ekstrand's mistake had come earlier in the game for example because that was a loss, a loss of conversation mm. um, concentration concentration yep. <laughs> third time lucky yeah. ironic can't say the word concentration concentrate Michael you know if that had come earlier in the game what would have happened Almunia made an extraordinary save oh yeah I think was it, was it a one all yeah um, or 2-1 perhaps yeah um, and it was uh, Hoban's clearance off, clearance off the line, off the line yeah. as well these things change, and Jason, right? We, we, then we see how what the team's made of. And that's quite a difference. That's one of the differences between last year's team and this year's team. Again, we talk about the quality of those players, but those sorts of defensively, we, you know, when we talked earlier in the podcast about who's our must-pick player, there was a certain attacking sense to all those players. But actually, there is a, a higher quality in, in goal. And there's a higher quality in, in the defence. <clears throat> I think you're, 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 you know, you're work in progress Jason I can't I, I half agree but actually we've progressed so far I think it's more like tweaking what we've got you know it's not like we're the beginning of the season did feel like there were so many players to come in there was so many an ethos to change there's a lot of things that have started to settle the number of players that play now they're settled it isn't all 59,000 of them that we have on on, uh, on the books so it's settled so it's tweaking it rather than actually I do, I do feel, I do feel that Jason's got a good point. Is we have to see how this team reacts. Well, that's it. But I like the yeah, I say, I love the fact is that we haven't seen, we've seen the down, the slight down at the beginning of the season, because everything wasn't sorted. We've, we're on a wrap at the moment, but as the testing of a true team is exactly as Jason says. What happens when we lose? And what happens when we lose four, or five now? Well, you know, not about necessarily getting tonked. It's about, you know, there's a potential, especially certainly over the festive period, to go a run of games. They're very tricky games. We've got Forest, we've got Hull, um, we're we're, we're way at Brighton, Charlton, who are resurgent. Um, Now, I'm not saying that we should fear these teams, absolutely not. We should enjoy the way we're playing and go into games, you know, confident. But, you know, a couple of games without a win, three games without a win. You know, we then back to a work in progress. I think we, we kind of are. Um, and, you know, they've yet to be tested. I think it's, it's, it's too early to say that we're that, that's a, that finished article. They need to be tested. And that's why I'm really intrigued about, about today. Hull have been consistently performing. They've been in and around there for the whole, whole time. So Hull begins a, a, a real... You know, it's a real benchmark. This is an acid test for this this group of players to see how tough they are, to see how cohesive they are as a team, and to see you know how we can perform when we're when we're up against it. So, if we if we're talking on the next podcast and I'm still using words like comfortable and, and excited, then then you know we'll, we'll have our answers in the affirmative. But you know, let, let's wait and see. It's, but exciting that we're we're looking forward to our team being tested as opposed to thinking oh god where's our next point going to come from you know if we lose this we're going to be four points drift we're we're going the right way and that that's fabulous what a great feeling from the rookery end Earlier in the podcast, we heard uh, quite a heavy edit where um, we had to replace a chat that we had about the uh, Watford's financial reports coming out and uh, a conversation we had about Lawrence Bassini uh, having 1.8 million um, that the club had said in that report. Um, they had almost 
forgotten about. Well, with not the hope that, but wanted back. Wanted back, but had said that they put the chance where they weren't going to get it back. Um, days later, uh, in the Watford Observer, we get a headline saying charged. Uh, and Watford and Lawrence Bassini have been charged by the, football, uh, by the Football League on three accounts of breaking financial regulations. Um, basically, I, I, my, my point of view, Jason, is that they, they, didn't, they might be doing legally, financially correct things, but they weren't reporting them or uh, making them clear that's what they were doing to the Football League. I think, yeah, I think that's the that's problem, isn't it? The, the Football League have rules that the clubs need to abide by. Uh, if they want to do things in a certain way, they have to ask the permission of the Football League. Uh, and it appeared that's where the first problem is, that that, that wasn't the case. Hmm. Uh, and in particular, the, the one that's been reported is the, the Danny Graham deal, the, his sale to, to Swansea, using third-party financial companies, something that the Football League will only allow if you ask their permission in the first place. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that didn't happen. Well, they, they say the Football League do allow it to happen, but you have to get permission from Exactly, them. yeah, they didn't ask permission. Um, now, the, the club and the Football League and Lawrence Bassini um, have all gone quiet on this because it's a legal thing, and you don't talk about that in, uh, in the public, but the Watford Observer articles, which are still up on their website, are, uh, are very detailed, and Frank and the boys there have done a fantastic job of journalism, which is not our forte, Mike. But... The worry must be, when you see charges from the Football League, what's your worry? Well, I, think, I don't think there's any way we're going to escape sanction. I think we will be punished in, in some way, shape or form. Now, whether that's a suspended fine, a suspended points um, deduction, whatever, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think, but I think the one crumb of comfort I have is that the, the Football League will... will have these things in place because they don't want football clubs getting an unfair advantage on the pitch no. um, they don't want skullduggery going on so you know buying new players with ill-gotten gains or money that you shouldn't have to, to give you an advantage over opposition opposition teams and I think um, it's fairly evident in this situation that what's happened um, it wasn't to Watford it wasn't in any way benefiting Watford on the pitch it wasn't something that was designed to, to give Watford an advantage um, bluntly it appears and I don't know I'm just saying it, it, it looks like it was to get more money into the club's accounts um, and whoever was in charge of the club's accounts could then do what they wanted with, those, with that money as quickly as possible um, in no way was it to the benefit of our football club and, and the team so hopefully my hope is that the, the football league will see that um, and any any punishment, which I think we will be forthcoming, will reflect that. Hopefully, our conversation about Lawrence Bassini and his dealings and what happened at the club during his time when he was in charge um, will stop soon. Doubtful. Doubtful. I mean, there's all what, what a positive podcast we've had, and isn't <laughs> yeah. it so Watford that we have to we have to deal with these things? And, it, and I don't know if it's good or bad for the club that it's happening at a time when, when the on-the-pitch activities are, are flourishing because I think it is important that, that, for, that as Watford fans we try and keep abreast of what's going on and try and understand what's happened and, and what might happen in the future. Like you said, you know, talking about Manchester City, people have all taken their eye off the league a little bit this week. You know, talking about the Pottos, let's not forget let's, what's happened before and, yeah. and what, what state the club might be in and what might be happening behind the scenes, you know. We won't find out everything because we can't. Um, there's certain stuff that needs to stay behind closed doors, and we probably prefer it that way. Yeah, well, it's like I say, it's a, it's a legal thing, and 
it is a very frustrating time, Jason, where we can't, the, the club and the Football League and the other people aren't going to tell us everything that we want to know. Um, no, of course and that can be as a, as a fan, especially when we know when the Football League start charging you, it can be it can be quite bad in terms of points deductions. It can be. We're not going to find out. That's it. It, it. These things, from recent examples, we know they take a very long time to sort out. QPR with Alejandro <laughs> Fowlin. Really um, dirty player, just keeps on fouling. Um, uh, and of course the, the West Ham Sheffield United yeah. and of course our Tevez, friends up the road Palava our friends up the road yeah and you, one uh, could argue it's a similar, a similar case time. stuff that happened on a different watch and they were punished when the new regime would come in. So but, uh, but a lot you, of people trying to seek solace in the fact oh you know it's someone else that was in charge of the club and he was different and Southampton tried to say well he was acting differently to the club you know one company is different to the to the other, but it, it, Southampton's case was kicked out of court fairly quickly, saying whoever owns a club and the club are inextricably linked. So I think we can forget that and we, we accept that it's, that it's serious. Um, we hope that it, the, the the punishment is reflects what was why it appears those transgressions took place, which was to get money, get money quickly. That money wasn't for the benefit of a football club, it was, looks like it was for the benefit of an individual or individuals. So let's hope that, that that's reflected. We can but hope, fingers crossed, but let's, again, take one backward look and say, we've been lucky here. Because if there's got three counts of misconduct, <laughs> there could well have been others. I tell you what, let's, let's leave the negativity here and let's go into a, a, a player for some uh, fun and games. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. Akichi Anya. Is that Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. footballers always have nicknames that all often end in IE. Now, you, you've got a name already that sounds yeah, quite yeah. nicknamed. Do you have another nickname? Yeah, I mean, and that's just call me Ketch, just to keep it simple, because, I mean, coming to a new club, sometimes it's hard to pronounce, but yeah, just Ketch. Ketch. Nothing else? Mm, uh, no, uh, everyone knows why he calls me the mosquito because I <laughs> I'm quite small, but it's alright. Um, uh, we hear there might be one about the Roadrunner though. Yeah, oh yeah, well, a couple of years ago, this, this slipped, my, slipped my memory because it was in Spanish as well. Yeah, okay. a few of them used to call me the Roadrunner. So. Okay. So you've had a, an interesting journey to, yeah. get, to get to Watford. How does it? What's it like being here now after? Yeah, no, I mean I'm just having a, a really good time. I mean I wasn't sure of my of what I was going to do during the summer. Then they told me Watford. Watford were interested, and I've got some mates who, who are interested in Watford, and they're like, yeah, Zola's the gaffer there, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, and everybody's asking me how he is, and just not even him, just the whole management staff. They're all quality players, and their whole team are just having a great time enjoying it. So we, we spoke to Gianfranco, oh, I think we were allowed to call him that, you have to call him gaffer, <laughs> but um, I mean, he mentioned his, like, we asked him to mention his best ever five-a-side team of players he played against, yeah, uh, yeah. played with, and I think the first person he said was Maradona. <laughs> so yeah, we were yeah, like, yeah. man, this, this guy's yeah. done it all. So what's it like working for, for a guy? No, like definitely, I mean, obviously, Obviously, the gaffer knows what, what what he's doing. I mean, we started off kind of slow this this season, but as the players have gelled together, because there was a whole influx of players, I think we're, the gaffer's getting the best out of us. Uh, unfortunately, today uh, we didn't we didn't play as well as, as as we could. But I think in in general, we can definitely see a progression in us. Lots of foreign players. You played in Spain. Yeah. Um, how is, is it is it is it different having a multilingual changing room? Um, I, obviously, obviously, it's a bit different, especially when English isn't good enough to yet to yet communicate with the players. But I think that's where Watford Watford have really excelled. I mean, uh, they've actually put on classes for for players to learn English, and 
I don't think it's any coincidence that as uh, they're improving their English, their team are getting better because obviously they know what the gaffer wants for them, they know what other players want for them. So I think I think it, it does it does sort of have an impact on the change room. Was, is everyone looking forward to playing some Christmas football? Because a lot of them wouldn't have played yeah. over Christmas before. We haven't really really talked about. It. I think I don't know, even know if they know how busy the schedule is. <laughs> it's it's going to be a nice shock for them, but but we, we'll see. I'm sure they'll adapt to. We got a big squad and gaffer's making the right choices when to rotate the players. So I think it will be a good good period for us. We've been up to the training ground a few times. We noticed that ping pong's quite popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know John Eustace is quite good. Who's who's the who's the uh, early favourite for the uh, championship this year? Uh, I'd say Jack Bonham's quite good, but um, Jack Bonham's yeah, he's he's really good. And then today just caught me by surprise. Daniel Pudo was was actually was actually doing well as well. So there's a few there's a few underdogs there. I think will make cause an upset. And now we picked up on Twitter. Now is your brother a doctor? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a doctor. He's a, he's a GP. So could you be a doctor and he be a footballer? Well, that's what's happening. At, oh, could I? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so no. Is, it, is it games of operation around your house for Christmas? No, no Monopoly, Monopoly. I'm good at Monopoly. I'll play yeah. that. Could he beat you at Sabuto and could you beat him at operation? Uh, my brother, my brother is not really a f- anything to do with football. You oh, know? Okay. He's just, he's just medical, like the brainiest dude I know. So he's. <laughs> we came, we came to the uh, the under 18s the FA Cup youth game the yeah, other yeah. day. We saw you just here, yeah, just yeah, shivering yeah. away like you couldn't. Yeah. Is so that cold. something you wanted to come along and just? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, obviously, you get to know the boys around around the training ground, and obviously, you can't really go to every game, but the important ones. And uh, bearing in mind it was at home, it was just good to support them. I'm pretty sure they were appreciative of the of the support, and you never know. One of them could be, or, or a couple of them could be, the future of Watford. Yeah, just to jump back to the to the language difference. When how does that physically work? So you're training and, and you're talking about tactics, and you want to do a set play. And I think Fernando doesn't speak very no. good English, for example. So how do you get those messages across? I think to play football, you don't really need to be fluent in the language. I mean, there's certain gestures you can make that you know that you're going to get the ball. I mean, half the time you just need to scream for it, and and they'll do it, and they'll give it to you. But obviously, when you come to set pieces, you need to know where to go. And I think where we've been quite lucky is that the gaffer is fluent in in, Sp- in Italian and in English. So sometimes he will say to the to the squad, "Wait, hold up, I need to speak in Italian to make sure the." Italian players understand, yeah. and then he'll translate in, in English as well. So I think the gaffer has been a huge help for the for the foreign lads as well. What's gaffer in in, uh, in Spanish? Spanish? Mister, Mister. Mister. Yeah, What's yeah. Uh, uh, man on? Uh, no, if they if they if they were free, you just say solo, so solo. so they okay. know that they're alone. Okay. 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 Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn that phrase. <laughs> I mean, and so, what's it been like to, to get into the what's the what's the dressing room like? What's it like in there? What, what do the fans don't see? I mean, we see on Twitter. You're very active on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Someone else is active on Twitter. Is Troy? Yeah. He's yeah. always giving people a right caning for their dressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you seem to have escaped, but <laughs> <laughs> you just picks on me. It seems. <laughs> no, I mean everybody's everybody's how how they are. But what I would say is that there's no animosity in the team whatsoever. I mean, we've got a big team. Competition is is crazy, but. Everybody's pulling towards the same goal because I mean, if we, if we if we if we have a successful season, even the ones that aren't playing will have a successful season. You know, we we've got a big squad and, and we know this, but we're all we're all just like I say, going for the same goal and hopefully, hopefully we'll achieve it. Uh, you spent some time at the soccer school. How different is that being there to being at a football club in an academy, for example? Yeah, the difference is huge. I mean, when when you're there, the emphasis is, is just to improve as a player individually. Obviously, at a football team uh, results are what matter, you know. So at, at the at, at the academy, it was always about self improvement, mentally, physically, and, and all that sort of stuff. But when when you're here, with the games come thick and fast, you're just mainly just just organising a team and recovering because it's it's, it's a hard league. A bit bit of a random question. Uh, it's coming up to Christmas, so you've got to buy your brother, let's say, a Watford shirt with a name on the back. You can't have your name. Which Watford player would you get on the back for your brother? For him? Yeah. Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe maybe Fernando. 
You know, he's he he just loves life. He's a crazy person. He's a really good person to have run run change room, and he's just always trying to make people happy. So I think, and obviously he's a ledge player as well. So he's probably pick his. Favorite game, favorite thing that's uh, moment so far as a Watford player. Uh, I'd say scoring just every week against Blackpool. I mean, that was I'd scored before here in in the mm. cup game, but yeah, that that goal was my first championship goal of my career. So that was that was really nice. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Thank you very much to Akichi uh, for his time after the Hull City game. And thanks to Nick Cox for his time earlier on this month. Thank you very much for listening to the, uh, the latest from the rookery end. We'll be back in 2013 for more fun and games and hopefully some amazing times as Watford fans. Things are on the up, no matter if we have just lost 2-1 to Hull City. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Remember, keep in touch. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com or facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. And whatever happens, we will continue to say, Come on, you horns! Come on, you horns!